0: Go.
1: The surprising 6-5 and five Huskies come home for the regular season finale against their rivals from the East. Coach Peterson talked about practices since the stunning loss to the Buffs have been spirited. The players are pissed and Coach Pete wants it that way.
2: It's gut check time on Montlake with nothing but pride on the line as Trey Adams, Nick Harris, Aaron Fuller, Benning Potawai, and more play their final game in front of Husky Faithful.
1: This is 4th and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Washington. I'm Trevor.
2: And I'm Jake.
1: And we're like Shadow and Chance.
2: Oh, those are dogs' names. Uh Uh-huh. Homeward Bound.
1: Homeward, the incredible journey. You got it.
2: (laughs) Yes! Yep, Uh, I haven't seen that since I was like five. I can't believe I remembered that. So we apparently, I don't remember this, but
1: we had a dog get hit by a car. um, And mom was like, is he okay? And that's like, like that night. We're like, hey, we should watch it in, in, you know, Homeward Bound. And my parents just sat on the couch crying behind us as we're just (laughs) like, this movie's awesome.
2: Uh, You are the worst kids ever. You know what's
1: not the worst, Jake? VintageBrand.com. Oh, my God. I hate your segues. <laughs> vintage Brand is a sports apparel and gift brand celebrating the rich history of American sport and culture. Their collection includes 10,000 digitally restored authentic vintage works of art reproduced on apparel, wall art, koozies, drinkware, and more. All November long, they're giving away daily $100 promo codes for new email subscribers. Relive your favorite vintage UW logos, Husky Stadium moments, Rose Bowls. Use the promo code HUSKY19 to get 20% off
2: all products through the end of the year. I would, I would go broke buying stuff off a of vintage brand before I bought one of your crappy segues.
1: Okay, but have you looked at like some of the Mariner stuff that they have? No. And Seahawk stuff? Uh, you're in trouble. Oh, no. First up, we have a Coug perspective on the Apple Cup. We have Alex Brink, former quarterback at Washington State. He comes on. He talks about Washington (laughs) State and their view of the Apple Cup.
2: Second, I'm going to give this one away, Trev, because I fanboyed out so tough on him. Mario Bailey is on the show. Man, that guy is cool as ice, man.
0: Enjoy.
1: All right, Husky fans. Today we got a a different kind of perspective for you. We got Alex Brink, former quarterback at Washington State. I'm doing State well. On. Thanks for having me. So, Alex, I got to tell you, I was at uh, the Apple Cup, Amazing. in 2007, when you beat Washington. <laughs> um, I, it, I'll never forget how that game started. Um, Rich Alexis right, yeah. took the kickoff back for a touchdown, and I was like, "Oh man, the beat, the beat, the beat goes on," and. If I I might not remember this correctly, but you guys came back and won that game.
3: Uh, well, that's late, correct. Yeah, we went down ten nothing, street, and kind of had to weather the storm. But it was it was back and forth, uh, and then we had. You know, kind of, kind of one of those deals. We had the ball last sort of thing, and I was able to throw a throw a touchdown pass to Brandon Gibson right at the end of the game.
1: What is it like going into an Apple Cup? What your what what well, does the you Apple know? I
3: grew up in Eugene, so I was had a lot of experience with you know the Civil War, Oregon, Oregon State. So I had a lot of appreciation for what the Apple Cup is. I think there's some some similarities there. The Apple Cup is, you know, there's a geographical aspect to it, right? You know, East versus West sort of thing. Um, you have the socioeconomic piece where, you know, kind of West side versus the East side, um, type deal. Um, I think, you know, from an athlete perspective, what's kind of interesting is you have, you know, typically UW has a lot of more West side athletes and, and WSU has more East side athletes if they're in state. And then, but then the California kids, the West coast kids that come up, a lot of those kids that go to UW or go to WSU, right they weren't necessarily recruited by the other school. So there's like an inherent rivalry with those kids, even though they're not from Washington. Right. So um, I think there's kind of a lot of unique pieces to that. And, you know, for me personally, I mean, it's one of those things where it means that, you know, you're able to hang your hat um, in a state that has very competitive um, high level football. And, you know, for the, um, you know, the athletes and the coaches and the fans, it means they have bragging rights, but more importantly, it means that, you know, the year you went in and, we're able to kind of stake your claim on the state.
2: You said that you're from Eugene. What was it that led you to choose Wazoo being from Oregon and especially Duck country? Yeah, that's a
3: very good question. I was uh, actually, you know, I played high school football with Mike Bellotti's son, who was the coach of Oregon at the time. So I, you know, I was, and I grew up as a Duck yeah. fan. I live about 10 minutes from the stadium. I mean, by all rights, I've, I I could have been Justin Herbert, right? You know, the, the local kid from down the street that went to, went to uh, Oregon, but Um, you know for me Oregon didn't recruit me and I you know had to kind of figure out that path and so I had a few other schools recruiting me Boise State was kind of the biggest and actually committed to Boise State and then Washington State came in real late in the process after Mike Price left and went to Alabama and they offered me a scholarship and and I'd always said I want to play you know I believed that I could play at the highest level in the Pac-10 at the time and that I wanted to you know have that opportunity And, and it presented itself very late I mean a couple weeks before the signing day. And so I kinda of just pulled the trigger. You know, I knew about Washington State, it was right after the Rose Bowl. And so you know, I knew what that two thousand three Rose Bowl with Jason Gesser. So I I knew what the program was about, but in some ways it was a relatively sight unseen me committing to go there.
1: Once you got to WSU, what did you see about the culture? You're saying that it was sight unseen? What yeah, was it I mean, like walking You know, being into from Eugene, Coleman. it's not like
3: Eugene's a huge town, right? And it's college. It's got a college feel. It's definitely not as small as Pullman. But, you know, for me, it was it was everything I wanted. I mean, Pullman was, you know, it's got the small town feel, but big school. So everybody's very close. Um, you know, the, it kind of inherently, you know, makes the team get really close. You, you just end up spending a lot of time together and hanging out and, um, you know, so that, the you know, from a culture side, you know, my best friend was Michael Bumpus who's from inner city of LA. Um, and I, I don't know if I would have ever met, you know, Mike sure. otherwise. Right. And so, you know, him and I are, are still so close to this day. And so, you know, things like that happen at a, in a place like Pullman that I think is pretty special. And then, you know, I, I think on top of that, um, you know, the town is that, you know, football is, is the thing. I mean, that, it really matters. And so you feel like, you know, you're, when you're in the college experience, that's kind of what you want. And then on top of it, school is great. All those sort of things kind of, you know, I met, you know, four guys that were in my wedding, you know, from my time at Washington state. Right. So, um, you know, I think all of that kind of combined to make a really, really good experience for me.
1: Was it validating not being recruited by these PAC 10 schools? Yeah.
3: Massive chip on my shoulder when I played. Uh, when I played for Washington, State, <laughs> I think that's one of the things that made me, me really good is that I played with a, a, a pretty big edge because, you know, I don't think physically I was at the top end by any means. And so, you know, having that edge, having that chip on my shoulder, because I felt like, you know, nine other schools at the time passed on me, you know, that, that, I mean, that mattered. and And so,
2: you know, every time I stepped on the field, I was trying to prove something. Did your coaches want you to use that chip or did they kind of want you to shy away from it uh, did it no, ever get you in trouble yeah, well you know?
3: um I'm sure it got me in trouble you know I was kind of, I could be I mean I could be a little could be a little, <laughs> a little mouthy a little abrasive at times but you know my quarterback coach Tim Rosenbaugh he played a lot like that you know when he was playing I mean he was kind of known to have quite the edge to him so he liked it I mean he used to say that was kind of one of the reasons that um I ended up getting an opportunity right just cuz he saw a lot of himself in me and so um I think I, I think in the end it it certainly helped me uh, more than hurt
1: now kind of getting back to the apple cup what was the is there a difference in the feel of the locker room during this yeah.
3: kind of wants to play the play the, like the let's uh, you know let's just make it another game sort of sort of deal but the reality is it's not and a lot of the kids that grew up in the rivalry impress that upon guys that didn't grow up in the rivalry and then everybody by the time you're a senior you know exactly what it's about because you know this game always seems to have something about it that's a little quirky or different or whatever and you know over the years I mean there's been so many instances where you know you you go in and and you know you know one team's going to win and the other team of course ends up winning right and so it's just one of those rivalries and so yeah there's a heightened sense you know there's Plenty of, uh, you know, there's plenty of talk in the locker rooms about, you know, kind of what the expectation is. And I think that's part of what's great about it is, um, you know, kind of hyper focuses everybody in for that week. Speaking of
2: preparation, what what are the difference in the preparation between playing in Seattle and in Pullman?
3: Well, I mean, I think, you know, in all honesty, not there's not much different. I mean, I think anytime you're playing at home, right, you feel like that's an advantage. You know, although for Washington State, it hasn't mattered, in all honesty, the last few years. But um, <laughs> I, I will say that, you know, when you go on the road, I always found when I went on the road, especially to Husky Stadium, you were, you know, there was you feed off. The- I always fed off that energy. And I think a lot of people do, as a lot of athletes do, right, is they feed off the energy of the crowd, even the negative energy. and It makes them almost play better. And so, you know, I think yeah. you got to be able to manage crowd noise. You got to know what you're getting into from that standpoint, so, like from an operations Deal, But in the end, uh, usually you feed off of, you know,
2: those type of things. You know, as a as a quarterback, I always wondered this. You know, you always talk about field noise from fans. You know, the Seahawks are here. There's a lot of noise in CenturyLink. Um, Husky Stadium. Is it easier to deal with that being the quarterback than, say, a left tackle or a wide receiver? Because you know – the play and you know what's going on and you're the one making the calls and yeah i next. think that's a fair statement i mean the cadence in the end is coming out
3: of my mouth right so i know exactly what the i know exactly what it uh you know when the ball is supposed to be snapped you know i always wondered you know especially like the tight end you know when we played at oregon or u-dub or wherever you know you're always like gosh can they really hear can they hear this whole thing you know sure. but you know you do find as a football yeah. player you kind of crowd noise always always ends up almost being like this background noise and what's happening on the field is almost very clear. So, you know, it matters at times, but it's not, you know, it's not quite as I think built up as a lot of folks like to make it out to be.
1: Washington Husky stadium is known as one of the, the tougher places to play in the nation. Where would you say the toughest place to play? Boy, oh, that's a great question. Career? I mean,
3: I think in the Pac-12, obviously, you know, UW and, and Oregon are tough. I always thought Oregon State's really underrated as far as uh, the the noise those fans generate. The stadium kind of keeps the noise in. That was always a pretty tough place to play um, from a crowd noise perspective. We played on the road at Auburn my junior year, and that was – boy, that was that was quite an experience to be down south um, and, and do that in front – no, we were no. That, oh, that game, was uh, that was Connor Holiday's team won that. No, oh, we we played a few years before that and uh, Got it. and lost. And it was yeah, that was well, that was tough. That was definitely a different deal.
2: That's that's I mean that's SEC land. So you know you, you talked about Pullman only having having uh, the Cougars. You know Auburn. You know it's the same kind of deal where that is what they do is Auburn football. You know, and that's that's the pride yeah, of their exactly. land. So. What is your favorite Apple Cup memory?
3: Man, I mean, obviously there's a couple. I mean, the, there's no doubt that that last pass to Brandon Gibson, you know, oh seven, which was my last collegiate pass, was a touchdown that beat the Dogs is is pretty incredible. You know, in Husky Stadium, my sophomore year, you know, through a game winner, training Harvey, that was pretty special. But you know, my my freshman year. I think it had been six straight years we hadn't beaten Washington. And so we were going into that game. It was only my maybe fourth or fifth game starting. And I remember the seniors in the locker room, they'd never experienced, you know, beating the Huskies. And so the whole week it it was just, you know, I, I didn't really quite get it probably, but then, you know, as I, as I went through the week, I started to really understand you know what they were doing and it was wild, man. I tell you what the the that deal to go out and beat them and see the look on our seniors' faces when we beat them i mean that was that was pretty special to me in all honesty.
1: Let's move on to uh this current rendition of the Apple Cup. Um, what does Washington? Yeah, State you know, have I, to I mean, there's a couple game. things
3: I I really see. I mean, I think it's really important that they force turnovers. I mean, I think you know Washington State in the last four years, four plus years, you know, four years including this year, you know, they're like thirty and five when they force two plus turnovers, and so you know that's that seems like a pretty obvious thing, but you know, Washington, Jacob Beeson in particular, they've shown that you can force some turnovers. And that's something that, you know, the Cougs haven't done the last few years in the Apple Cup is is force turnovers and, and create big plays that way. So I think, you know, forcing turnovers is, is really, really important. Um, and, the, you know, the other thing is also, and this is, these are kind of two defensive pieces, is, you know, you got to – you got to stop the run. I mean, the the Huskies, you know, they've lost five games, and three of those games they've been held under 100 yards rushing. Right, in the fourth one they were just over 100 yards rushing. So, um, you know, I think yeah. that kind of shows you where offensively Washington's really good. When they have balance. And so if you can take away that running game, then, you know, at least at least you have, uh, you know, you force them to do just one thing and throw the football. But, you know, if you let, you know, Savon Ahmed and and those guys run the football effectively, I think that's going to be a really tough, a tough night for Washington
2: State. And UW wins if
3: what? Boy, you know, I think if they if they rush for you know two hundred, which is shown to be kind of their their mo. If they get close to two hundred, they seem to have a ton ton of success. But I think more importantly, you know, if they can really get to Anthony Gordon and rattle him like Cal did, then you know I think UW could have a good night. You know, Cal was able to get some pressure on Anthony. Um, caused him to be the most erratic with the football he's been all year. But if you don't get home, like if you don't, if you don't force, you know, him out of the pocket and create some pressure on him, he he's going to dice you up. I mean, he's got that ability, and those receivers certainly do. So, you know, I, I think running the football and getting pressure
2: on Anthony Gordon are probably the two keys for the Huskies. I heard you today on the radio with Ian Furnace. Yeah. Do, uh, Bill Doba was on. He told the story about how a reporter said that he was retiring and published it he had no plans on to retire he then went into a meeting with the president of wazoo and kind of mutually agreed to part ways did you know that that's how that went down or did you did were you savvy to that knowledge until today i had i mean i knew about it i mean at that not
3: during the year by any means you know i mean as a matter of fact i It was pretty, it was pretty interesting. We, you know, we went and uh, there was a, you know, they did a press conference afterwards and I was pretty fired up because obviously, you know, coach and that staff meant a lot to me. And, you know, I, you know, although they, they said he was, he retired, you know, I, at the time I felt like he got, he got forced out. And so I, you know, there was a, uh, you know, I mean, sure, you can find it. There's an article. I mean, I, I went, you know, asked if I could say a few words at the press conference, and then I kind of went top rope on the uh, on the president of the university. <laughs> it wasn't. It, I don't think it was the finest moment by nice. any means in my in my career. But uh, you know the, but I, you know that's how I felt, and um, you know I think in the end you know, I, I, you know, after the fact, I, you know, I come to find out later that all of that transpired and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to that piece. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of people just yeah. assume coach Doba, you know, wanted to, to retire and wanted to move on. I mean, you, I mean, he's, you should see, you know, you talk to him, I still talk to him, you know, every month and boy, he's out chopping wood. He's going to see, you know, if you listen to the interview, he's going to see his grandkids. I mean, he could have coached for, 10 more years. Right. Like, I mean, he didn't, he didn't yeah, need to retire. Yeah. It was, you know, it, it was kind of the Mike Riley type deal where everybody after coach price, it's like, well, being six and six or five and seven or whatever, you know, that, that wasn't good enough, which is fair, but also understanding that Washington state, you know, is much more kind of what happened right after, you know, coach Wolf came in and, and it was just a really tough couple of years after that, you know, four or five years after that, you know, Washington state's a hard place to win at. And so, you know, that's why what Mike Lee, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, coach Dova was, you know, in the end, I think he's happy where he's at, but I mean, I think it's fair to say that, I mean, he wishes he could you know, run it out for a few more years for sure. Yeah. And that's
1: the behind the scenes stuff that, you know, the reporters and even the fans don't, don't understand what these coaches relationships with these kids or in your case, young men were like, and uh, yeah, that's, that's tough to go through. Um, and I think that history has proven that, you know, the next regime just, it, it was not the right fit. It did lead yeah. to getting leeched there, which has been definitely a net yeah, positive there's no for doubt
3: about uh, Washington that. state.
1: So Alex, of course you moved on, you were drafted, you spent some time in the NFL. Uh, you had a, a career yeah, in uh, Yeah. What so are you I to now?
3: finished playing in 2000 after and uh, moved back to the Portland area. And, um, I run a business now called E4 sports, um, that I started with a former player, um, from the university of Oregon named Ryan DePaulo. And so we do sports performance training for youth and high school athletes, some college and pro guys. We have a big off season, um, football development, um, program also. So we have a couple facilities here in the Portland area where we train athletes. Um, so that's a big focus. That's kind of my day to day. We also, uh, about a year ago, and we're kind of in its infancy. Started a pretty fun deal called American Football Brand, which is an off uh, kind of off-field lifestyle apparel brand for football fans. Um, so it's not team-focused gear so much, but kind of like, kind of hey, I you know I'm passionate about the game and the and the pageantry and the history of it, and you know, and I think um, it's been pretty fun to, to attack that. and and dive into that so those are kind of the two ventures I have going as well as I am the uh, analyst on the radio broadcast for the Cougs so I go to all the games so I'll be in Seattle for the Apple Cup Um, and that's been really fun to stay engaged with the team and be able to you know my broadcast partner Matt Chaz now the
2: voice of the Cougs is,
3: is an awesome guy and very good at what he does so I'm having a ton of fun learning
2: uh all about that word on the street is that uh you're going to be a dad, yes. and you're bringing in a that baby boy. That is true.
3: Yes.
1: Thank
2: you. you know, Thank you. Oh, yes. man. Congratulations. We, uh, you're talking to two guys. We, I have two boys under three. Trevor is about to have two boys wow. under three. So if you if you need any parenting advice, You're don't sure, call us. yeah, because <laughs> you guys are too you guys are too
3: tired to speak. So yeah,
2: I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, All right, right. So, thanks, Arthur
3: Brank. Whatever your name. <laughs> oh uh, yeah my my <laughs> wife and I are super fired yeah. up. So we are uh, uh, expect due in March, and so we are you know fast approaching, and it's been uh, it's going to be a fun journey. But yes, I appreciate it.
1: All right, Esky fans, we have a gigantic treat for you today. We got Mario Bailey coming on to talk about the Apple Cup, his football journey, and whatever else we want to talk to him about. Mario, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me. Obviously, it's Apple Cup week. What does the Apple Cup mean to you? Well,
0: it means a great deal to me. Uh, besides being able to play in it, even before I played in it, it was a big deal. But my brother went to Washington State. I was actually going to go to Washington State myself. I was in love with Coach Erickson at the time. But Mm. my brother graduated the year before me, and they were partying so much at Washington State that my mom didn't really want me to go there. So (laughs) uh, thank God for her. I ended up in Washington because Coach Erickson left after, uh, which would have been my freshman year. So, um, you know, it's bragging rights in my home every year. Plus, where I work, I think – 60% of my coworkers are cougars so I won't be able to go to work for a month if something were to happen <laughs> That's that's so, really interesting I didn't know that Yeah yeah it's this cougar country where I'm at Was there any other school other than
2: Washington for you then once once Wazoo was out of the picture was it just going to be Washington or was there was were there battles elsewhere
0: no, actually, I wanted to go to UCLA before either one of them, and I was going to go. And then uh, my senior year in high school, I had a high ankle sprain, and I missed three games. And Coach Donahue uh, rescinded the scholarship and kind of told them that I had, we had just as many players better, as good or, or better than me, and they didn't get to see enough tape. Then it became Washington and Washington State. I didn't like Oregon or Oregon State. And actually, at the time, Colorado wanted me to play defense, and I was not going to play defense. So it really came down to Washington and Washington State.
1: So was it just an absolute joy to go and and win a national championship and uh, beating teams in the conference that passed up on you like that?
0: It was always great, but, you know, I really wanted to stick it to UCLA, and I did uh, my sophomore year, but my junior year, that cost me – Another national championship, so yeah, yeah, That's true. yeah. so they got, the, they got the best of me in, in the end of it.
1: How long did it take you to buy into the Don James system where?
0: Uh, I bought in right away, actually. Uh, when I got there, they actually gave me number 80 and they had promised me, you know, they take the little recruiting pictures with the number five and uh, promise you your number and there was no reason that I didn't have number five, so I was pretty irritated. My mom actually called up there cussing and yelling and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> you promised That's my baby. Mom. You promised my baby that number five, he should have his number five. So I went in my locker room the next, in my locker the next day, there was a number five. And I, I took it back to him and I said, nah, you guys keep this. Um, I'll earn it and you can give it to me once I earn it and they gave it to me the following year. But as far as coach James's system and everything, you have no choice. You either buy in or you get out. So, I bought in early.
2: Do you see any parallels between coach James and and coach Peterson?
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. It's uh it's discipline, you know. You got to be very disciplined and you have to be ready um like A few years ago, we had our 25th anniversary of our national championship team. And Coach Peterson came in to give us a little talk. And, you know, we're all grown, we're old, and guys have cell phones now. But he quickly told somebody to put their cell phone away. He was joking. Wow. He was Mm -hmm. joking, but he was serious. And it it put a smile on all our faces because we couldn't have had cell phones back. When Coach James was around, we had beepers, and even those, you better not bring your little beeper or pager to a meeting, or you might, you might be done for the rest of your career. So it's just Coach uh, Peterson's attention to detail, his discipline with the guys, and how he knows everybody. I tell people like Coach James knew the janitor, the janitor's wife, he knew everybody in the building. How you can do that, I don't know, but Coach Peterson has all those same. Traits and skills, so I, I, we always knew that he'd be a great coach as well. Phone away, oh, yeah, we all did. It was like funny, <laughs> but <you> know, <laughs> it, was, it was a joke, it was a, a joke, but it was serious, you know, just kind of letting us know. But, but he had the attention of us, and we understood right away, like, we got it, you know, yeah, we played, we played for coach, so we know, yeah, yes, sir, sir, yeah, sir, coach yeah yeah
1: (laughs) so when it comes to some of the discipline that that coach James had um what was the feeling knowing that he was watching from the tower and could be watching you at any moment without you knowing did that make you uh never take a rep off in practice or kind of give some insight into that
0: Uh, The biggest insight I could get is if you were to ever get yelled at from that tower, it it felt like, you know, what it was meant to feel like, like that's coming from above. Like it's like lightning bolts coming. So, you know, you you can't be slipping because he could see the entire field from up there. The funny thing is how scared some of the coaches were. You know what I mean? Like the (laughs) the coaches know he's looking and you – there used to be jokes on our team of which coach would actually be peeking over his shoulder to see if coach was looking or not. But coach could see everything. It's like that parent that you're in class, you're doing bad, and but your parents in the class, coach James saw every single thing. It didn't matter if you were just a scout team, if you were going through drills, what it was when he was up in that tower, the purpose of that tower was to see everything and he took full advantage of it. Now, I've been
1: I've read the Thursday speeches. You were getting those speeches every week. What were those speeches like and were they different when it came to the Apple Cup?
0: Yeah, I was just telling somebody today like that last year I think coach uh Price had voted Miami number 1, which was like you know, that just coach had that on the board, that was in the speech. It was like we were gonna go kill those guys in the last year, year before we had lost, like I said, to UCLA. So that speech really didn't have to be made, but it was more like, okay, this guy's giving you uh locker room material that and and, and he put it in our locker room to put it on the board. But that speech right there was an easy one for us because all week long we had heard about Coach Price voting Miami number one why he let that out the bag. I don't know, but that was that was the motivation. Wow. And that no, game was not I, I didn't play in the fourth quarter. The whole first team offense and defense didn't play in the fourth quarter. Yes. Was there a different feel to the locker room during the week of the Apple Cup? Yeah, it was the feel of like I said we had lost our uh our national championship the year before. So it was one of those things where maybe it was good that that happened to us. We weren't gonna, uh, we weren't gonna let up, like we're not letting up off the gas. We were coming in there to destroy them. And um, there was a lot of talk in the paper, whether it was coach, whether it was Tory hunter, like there was a lot of talk. Like, why are you talking? We we're already 10 and oh, and we've blown everybody out the, the water. It's gonna be no different than you, but you're talking, which is pumping us up even more. If you watch that game, uh there's a lot of celebrating going on and, and then coach James Er, we weren't yes. allowed to celebrate, but nobody cared. We were celebrating from Jaime Field shaking to me bowing to guys dancing <laughs> to wall it just yeah. the whole game was a celebration. It didn't matter. We were coming after him. And and coach didn't say anything. You know, normally guys aren't celebrating because coaches you're going to get a stare from the time you walk from that on the field all the way till you get to the sideline. But that that game, it was like, let loose. Go ahead. It's yours, guys.
1: Now, I know everybody remembers yeah. you from the
0: Heisman post. <laughs> that just going might there, be my bro. favorite. You, you know, it's just it's people. Now it's, it's, it's called bow down to Washington. People don't want to yeah. <laughs> they, they're of bow, but nobody thinks of what our slogan is. Just bow down to Washington.
2: What is your favorite Apple Cup memory?
0: I I, I think it's actually Jaime Fields. Like the – the I don't know what – he was doing the, the earthquake shake on the ground. Like that. that – we had just come so far. <laughs> if you had been with us when we got there with Coach James to this uh, – no celebrating pro socks, no beards, no earrings to, if you look at that game, guys, their, their, their shirts are all the way up. We're wearing black shoes. Our socks are down. Like we had just come so far and to see all of us celebrate, like we knew we were going to Rose bowl and we're undefeated for the first time that, that just let me know, like we'd come a long way. And, and, and seeing Coach's face on the sideline. He's not a big smiler, but I swear to you, if you could see the tape of that game, he's kind of laughing and smiling the whole time for a guy that has a stoic face and stern face all the time. Winning
1: that national championship in 91, was there more value to it because of the
0: pain of losing the year before to UCLA? I don't think so. (laughs) I still want to be a two-time champ, you know. Is the the value uh, I, taken yeah. away really because we didn't get to play Miami, and we were scared that night? You know, like we could have easily woke up and still been number two, in in everybody's polls. Uh, I mean, you know, it's great to be that the coaches know that you're number one, um, but you know, not playing, right. uh, on the East Coast until midnight, and people not really knowing how good we were. You know, people still don't know. Like, I- I've seen all the college teams, but I still feel like I've seen the rating. I, I don't know, we were number 20-something. No, nah, we're not number 20-something. Coach James, because the teams nowadays, like, they run up the score. If you look at my stats or you look at the, the sti- statistically, when our first team left the game, I played in the fourth quarter like three out of tw- out of 12 games. We could have ran it up and ran it up and ran it up on people. Three games, I didn't even make it past halftime. So, uh, no, I I don't think so. I think we were were scared to death. And I think if we had won it the year before, then we might have been a unanimous choice to win it that next year. Was there any doubt in
2: your mind? And I think I know the answer to this, but was there any doubt in your mind that you guys wouldn't have smacked Miami all over the field?
0: No, not, you know. Never. I, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Michigan game. Nobody expected <laughs> us to smack them around, but you give coach uh, two, three weeks to prepare. It's the reason that Desmond Howard caught one pass. You know, we knew everything. Yeah. he, We knew everything they were going to do before they did it. Every bowl game I ever played in, we blew Emmitt Smith out the first year. He's, he uh, took his shoulder pads off and didn't play for three quarters.
2: The next year, we...
0: <laughs> we blew Iowa out and and then Michigan like coach coach James in a bowl game preparing. You're in trouble.
1: This problem with East coast um, viewers and uh, voters were even not seeing Washington back in when you were playing in the nineties. And that problem has still not been fixed up till today. What, solutions do you think the pack 12 has to be able to get more seen on that really coast. none
0: uh, you know unless unless the, all the games are you know the are 12 o'clock game it, they, that should be shown but there's right. really nothing you can do as, as long as we have these time zones uh, you know like espn if we have a nationally televised game at nighttime it's going to be on close to midnight in the east coast there's really nothing you can do we We've seen Desmond every every game before we even played our game. We're in the hotel yeah. watching Michigan before we get on the bus to go to our game. So, it's just an unfair advantage.
1: And, of course, does it make you smile every time Desmond Howard doesn't pick Washington? You no, know, it's, it's kind of
0: – it's kind of – it is funny. I don't understand it, you know. I, if the guy ever heard me talk, he definitely deserved a Heisman just based on um, – Special teams and the extra stuff. Um, is he still disappointed that you 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 left college and with one catch in in your rose bowl?
1: <laughs> May,
0: maybe you know I, I'm a competitor, so I know it, it has to itch a little bit. But come on, man, you don't have to. You know, Washington fans, I give give him much love. I love him on TV. I think he's very articulate. I think he dresses the best on there and i like his opinions so i feel like don't do that to washington because of you know 30 years because ago. you fle- because you <laughs> flexed all over him Well, uh, <laughs> <it's not, laughs> yeah. you know i always say in that game i love desmond i liked watching him but he was like very cocky and arrogant he just kind of shunned me like and and my opinion was like as a receiver you should respect me because I, have my stats. I would have blown you out the water if my coach wasn't so nice in taking me out the game. So, um, yeah, you deserve your Heisman because of special teams, but as a receiver, show some, show some love and respect, like I'm showing you. But he didn't, and so it is what it is now. You know. Is it surreal to know that
1: that pose that you made in that rose Bowl
0: will be played until football's no longer thing? craziest thing ever, man. You know, <laughs> I've actually called it the gift and the curse. You know, sometimes uh, when my football career wasn't going right. as well and people were coming up to me and striking the pose, I was like, man, I'm just trying to stay under the radar. But, you know, it's a blessing. It's a definite blessing. But never in a million years would I have ever thought that it would last this long. And like you just said, it's going to last a very long time. And, and another reason it lasts so long is because in washington uh, in the state of Washington we don't have as many winners. you know you have the sonics in seventy eight seventy nine you have the Seahawks who just won in two thousand twelve two thousand and thirteen um you have the the storm now you have the sounders but if you if you're looking at the the big professional sports or big sports or football basketball, we don't have a lot of winners. Washington will always remember um, until we start, you know, maybe if we're like Boston, where you have the Boston Celtics, you have uh, the Boston Red Sox, you have the Patriots. The state of Washington doesn't have a lot of uh, of champs. So I think that that amplifies it. It wouldn't have been as yeah. good if we the Heisman polls and we were, seven and six. You know
2: what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Not, not right. so noticeable.
0: Yeah. Now
1: you bring up a really good point about, you know, the state of Washington, not experiencing much success. We, we celebrate, you know, the, the 95 yeah. Mariners, you know, as a team that didn't even right. never even made it to the world series. Right. Um, And, and you sent out a really interesting tweet that I wanted to kind of get your, uh, pick your brain about um, during that Colorado game last week where you talked about how it looked like Washington has way too many nice guys on the team. Um, with that 91 team, there were some bad dudes on that team. Um, what do you think, uh, what do you, where do you think this nasty on this team should be coming from? And do you think that they could get there? I think
0: we can get there. Uh, it should come from that defense. It comes from the defense and the offensive line. Um, you gotta have some dogs on defense. I feel like we had some dogs on defense and they all got drafted in their, you know first second, third round, so it's hard to stock up like that like a lot of teams aren't Alabama or teams like just have a button. Ohio state is like that where they just reload and reload i I thought we were similar, but you could tell just by this team like we 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 don't have those guys but You know, sometimes experience, getting your butt kicked, brings out the dog in you. So we're going to see. And what I said Mm -hmm. was, you know, we just need some dogs. When I played, uh, the word was was Coach James went down to Miami, and he found that um, he said that only one guy, he said it in our meeting, only one guy in our team in the first 22 could start on their 22. And he started recruiting differently. He started recruiting for speed and he started recruiting guys that might not have got in. We started having uh community college guys. And prior to that, he would never go to a community college. So uh, the, the recruiting changed and everything changed. Do you think that Eason could be a dog? Do you think that he could kind of turn into,
2: I don't, I don't want to say a polarizing figure, but kind of a gruff, Hardcore leader type of guy?
0: Definitely. You know, adversity strikes people in different ways. So we're about to see, you know, uh six and five for right now. Well, let's say, let's say seven and five. All right. We'll say sure. seven and five. <laughs> let's say seven <laughs> and five in a ball game and a holiday ball. That's average in Washington. Actually, that's below average. So he's gonna get some he's getting it he's getting the bad press people attacking him and now we're about to see it is it's gonna it can work one or two ways either he can be a dog and come out and fight or he can go in a shell so I'm hoping watching his career and watching him leave from Bellevue all the way or or Issaquah to Georgia and coming back here that his story is uh to be written and that he has some dog in him but you're about to see and you're about to see that with the coach. You're about to see that with some, a lot of players because adversity has, has, has already striked. And you mentioned that
1: also, that James had a 6-5 and five, um, campaign where after that he really changed his model, and that's kind of what you're alluding to, right, is he started going after some of those guys that were coming out of the community college. Going after
0: the guys in the community college. He fired his first coach. We changed our offense. We went from that pro yeah. style. He adjusted. Now, he didn't have to adjust. He had just went to nine, ten straight bowl games and had been the coach of the decade and all that. But he had to adjust with the times. Coach Peterson has never had any real adversity. This might be his worst season as a coach. So we're about to find out a lot about a lot of things. And I really look forward to next season. I know it's a long way away, but I look forward to it because I know It's burning, burning him. He's a competitor. Coach Peterson is a definite competitor. It's burning his spirit right now. That's why I said look forward to an Apple Cup victory. At the end of that tweet, I'm like, watch out for this Apple Cup victory because I know. You mentioned
2: Coach James changing his first coach, and there's been a lot of fire on Bush Hamden talk and stuff like that. Do you think that that's something that could be beneficial to this program? Or do you think that sticking with Bush and kind of just reinventing your offense is something that would be better?
0: Honestly, I don't know. But I I, I think uh, when you do fire somebody, I don't want anybody to lose their job. But when you do fire yeah. somebody, ah. it puts everybody on alert, you know? Like, no nobody's safe. And this is not a game out here. We're not – gonna accept finishing the season eight and five that's not gonna happen this is not normal here we're gonna stay in the top 10 every year so everybody gets your game up so when you do fire somebody or make those changes it's, it switches up everything because when we fired our coach it was an offensive line coach and we brought in coach Gilbertson I can tell you all the other coaches They're already spending 20 hours in there. They started spending 22 hours in the office. What is your take on this receiving core this year? No dogs, nobody making the big play. It must not be uh, the competition within. It just takes one guy to go out there and say, I'm going to make the play. There got to be guys making the play for Eason. You know, quarterback can struggle, but you can make a few big plays. I've seen maybe a few big ones in the entire season. I haven't seen any consistency. Somebody has to step out and 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 say I'm gonna make the play. I, I just haven't seen that. We haven't seen that uh that John or Dante or Reggie Williams or Jerome. We just we, we don't have that one guy. Everybody else can fall in line when that one guy steps out. Yeah. Mario Bailey. I, well. I, I didn't say that.
2: Well, I felt like it could. I felt like it could have been Puka if right. it weren't for the injury. Because when he finally started getting some serious playing time and some looks coming, some balls coming his direction, you could really start to see the dog in Puka. I feel like that mm-hmm. guy doesn't need adversity to be a dog.
0: No, everybody doesn't, and you're absolutely right. It's it's naturally in some of those guys. And Puka was showing, showing, showing up, you know, it's, it's sad to see. But got to be the next man up. And there's got to be more guys that, you know, are just – aren't just in line and just doing guys that you see the passion and want to make a play. That's what I don't see. Is I see it's like we're coming out flat, but we're coming out flat all the time. We come out flat against Colorado, staff like – yeah, I just don't see it. Right. It doesn't take a coach to 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 motivate you and want to come out there and ball out like that. That's what I'm talking about—the dog in you. Like you're you're coming out to play. It doesn't matter what the coach is saying. You're coming out there to perform and ball. I keep seeing us come out like like we're not even there. Like this last game was another example, but I think. Uh, I think it was the Stanford game. I've seen that too. We just came out and we just weren't ready to play.
2: Yeah, unfortunately we we were there for that game and that was that was the most frustrating game that I think I've been to as a Huskies fan where the the bench just had no energy to it. Yeah. Which kind of showed on the field.
0: Man, I I always had fun on the road. That's that's when it's us against the world. That's when you have right. to have the dog. You know, it's easy to play at home with your fans. But it, to me, it was even more fun to go shut the crowd up somewhere else.
2: Right. Last question. We need a prediction of the game.
0: Yeah. Easy. I got us, I got us at 30, 38, 24. Offensive eruption.
2: Nice little bounce back game. I love it. Eason puts the the naysayers to bed. Offensive
0: eruption and 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 you know our defense has a coach's number over there. He knows it too. I hope he has something
1: (laughs) different. Uh, Yeah, awesome, awesome. Hey Mario, thank you. Go ahead and uh, tell the listeners where they can find you, what you're up to now. Uh,
0: I work for the Seattle Seahawks now. I'm the director of Legends and Player Community Engagement. So essentially I work with the former players and the current players, getting out in the community, doing different appearances. Seahawks are good the organization They take great care of me. I do real estate on the side if you want to sell, <laughs> sell your home or buy a home. Um, and I have my own foundation. I just try and keep, keep moving. And I'm still a dog. I'm a dog forever. So go dogs.
1: So we got to hear from Alex Brink. uh, And then, of course, the headline for all of us, we got to hear Mario Bailey talk. Um, Jake, what are your thoughts on those two guys?
2: Uh, You know, I actually really enjoyed Alex Brink. Uh, Super down-to-earth guy. Um, Very knowledgeable about the game. Unfortunately, you know, I, I really like his story that, no other Pac-10, at the time, Pac-10 schools recruited him. He knew he... In could, Oregon's
1: backyard. Yeah,
2: exactly. He knew he could play uh, in the Pac-10. He got a chance, and he took that chance, and he really ran with it. And that was really cool. Um, unfortunately, he's a Cougar, and he works for the Cougars. And, you know, not a, nobody's perfect. So, um, But then I... Uh, contradict myself because Mario Bailey is perfect. The guy's a dog, man. Yeah. He dressed cool. He talks cool. He is cool. That guy does. er (laughs) He's so knowledgeable about the program. He's so knowledgeable about the game of football and listening to the stories that he went through while at Washington was incredible.
1: So uh, of course we have a game coming up on Friday, Jake. Uh, What is your overall take on this year's apple cup?
2: We just had three years where we went to New Year's Six Bowls in a row, right? Washington State was our biggest challenge not to make it to those New Year's Six Bowls. They were always really, really good, maybe had one or two losses, always in competition for the Pac-12 championship game.
1: This game was for who would go play in the Pac-12 championship.
2: Right. And... It's not. And both teams have had a letdown year. But I'm more nervous to lose this game than I was those previous three years because I just don't know what we are as a team. I don't know. Yeah,
1: and there's a lot more flaws, right? So right. So I, I totally get,
2: I, I get it. You know, we, we um, talked about Colorado last week, and I, I alluded to Colorado and Stanford not knowing what they were. They're so inconsistent as teams. Well, so are we. For the first time in a long time, this team is very inconsistent. So I don't know what to think about this game.
1: And, you know, Washington's lost some games at home this year, but Husky Stadium has not been that automatic win that it has been in the last few years. Right. Jake, who's somebody that uh, we should watch out for on the defensive side for Wazoo?
2: Again, Colorado, we said that their defense was soft and you only had to watch out for one guy. Well, guess what? That one guy had a really good day. And Washington State has one guy jihad woods, this guy is a monster he's got hundred and eleven total tackles. He's got sixty solo tackles, which is double the amount of the second leading tackler on wazoo. He leads his teams in sacks with three and also has an interception so if there's one guy on this defense that is the glue to this defense it's jihad and and the guy's and he's if if I looked at this defense. Player by player, he's the only guy I would say on this defense that's a good defensive player. You know, upper echelon (laughs) defensive player. Got it. How about you with the offense?
1: So it's easy to go Anthony Gordon or some of these receivers, um, but I'm going to go with somebody that makes this offense really dangerous, and that's Max Borgie. People on the Palouse like to uh, liken Max Borgie to Christian McCaffrey He's not Christian McCaffrey, but he is a really productive back. He's got over 1,200 yards from scrimmage. And shockingly, he's got over 700 yards rushing. And for an air raid attack, that's really never heard of. He's great out of the backfield. He's great catching the ball, of course. Um, he runs tough. He, uh, he obviously scored that touchdown at the end of the Beaver game to
2: give them the lead. Speaking of that, he's got, he's got some moxie of that, to him. Did you see a run coming? Because I sure as hell didn't. I thought pass for sure. Which is funny
1: because you think back to that 2016 Apple Cup when uh, they had the ball yep. down on like the one-yard yep. line against Washington and they ran it right. four times and Buda Baker just would sneak in the back and pull the guy down. I mean, you know, it, it seemed to work Borgie, I think, is their best overall back that they've had there. So, you know, it's somebody to watch out for. You know, he said that they were going to be become bowl eligible against Oregon State. They did. Said they're going to score a lot of points against Washington. Yeah. We'll see. All right, Jake, who's your player to watch on the offensive side for Washington? I
2: mean, this is kind of, I mean, you, you straight away from the no-brainer. I'm going to push the no-brainer right in the mouth. It's going to be Jacob Eason. Last two games, he's 37 yeah. for 66, which is a completion percentage of 56%. Uh, he's got one touchdown and three interceptions. And that's, I right, and that's against Oregon State and Colorado, which do not have the top-tier defenses in this in this uh, conference. So that is really, really bad numbers, and we need to see better from them, especially if we're going to win the Apple Cup. And Husky fans expect to win the Apple Cup. And when your career is all said and done, you can have big-time numbers, but nobody's going to r- remember you or they're going to remember you in a bad way if you don't beat the Cougars. So you need to go out and you need to ball out.
1: Yeah. the two And one thing I didn't bring up with Mario Bailey is he never lost to Oregon yeah. or Wazoo. Um, and those are the yeah. teams
2: that matter. So how about you on the defense? Who is your...
1: It's the safeties. There's been pro- lapses in communication between the safeties and the corners on um, responsibility and zone uh, multiple times this year. I don't want to pick on Cameron Williams because I think he's going to be a really, really good safety for this team going forward. But unfortunately, when I look, there's a lot of instances where he's that back safety that is late getting over to where he's supposed to be. So I really, I, that's the, the position grouping. So I'm going to put Asa Turner, Cameron Williams, and uh, Miles Bryant lumped into one because if they're where they're supposed to be, this Huskies defense has the ability to
2: shut down this. Well, and let's not forget offense. that ha- uh, two thirds of your safety core are true freshmen.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And in order to win this game, they have yeah. to be good. Jake, what's your prediction for this game?
2: Thirty-eight, thirty-three. Wow. I think, okay. I think Mario. I think Mario um, so hit it right on have... the head. I think the offense is going to is going to show out this week, and and I think. They're gonna... Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a fire lit under them, and I think you're going to see them catch stride, and I think they're going to run the heck out of the ball in and, and big chunk plays against this defense.
1: I'm going to go more uh, 35-17 wow. dogs. Jake, you went 3-3. Three and I'm three, bad. And I went, nope, I went 4-2, and two, so I oh. was better. Not only am I going to ask you the names of these, we're going to see if you can name the rivalry okay. game. Got it, so first up, we have Oregon State Civil versus War.: Oregon, um, the Civil War, yep, you got that one. That one's easy. Uh, the beeves are headed to Otson, and Oregon is a 19-point favorite. I am going to take Oregon.: I've been right on the beeves a bunch this year. I'm going to take the 19 points and take the beeves.: Whoa.: Next we have uh, number 16, Notre Dame traveling to Stanford um that one obviously doesn't have a rivalry name um notre dame is a 16 and a half point favorite
2: i'm gonna take notre dame me too
1: next we have colorado traveling to number six utah (laughs) utah's a 28 and a half point favorite oh holy cow
2: um that's what i was thinking too i'm gonna take utah
1: yeah utah that one's easy. Next, we have Arizona traveling to Arizona State. Arizona State is a 14-point favorite.
2: The territorial cut. I'm going to take uh, Arizona State.
1: Okay, I'm – God, Arizona's Arizona's bad. real bad. Uh... Leo
2: Tate's benched. Like, that's how bad they've been. Like, he just yeah. flat out got benched.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take Arizona because I don't think Arizona State uh, is going to – they're going to play an NFL game. All right, we have Cal traveling to UCLA. UCLA is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to take Cal. I'm taking Cal. That'll do it for us. We'll wrap up the Apple Cup on Saturday morning. We'll see you then. Have a great Thanksgiving. Go Go dogs.